honor God where we are right now. Just give him a praise. Can we give him a praise of thanksgiving? A praise that we're just thankful for what he's done. Thankful for who he is. How he's always healing. He's a deliverer. He's my keeper. He's my present help in the time of trouble. He's my refuge. He's my hiding place. He's everything that I need. He's worthy of a praise. Sometimes it's not emotional praise. Sometimes it's just a praise of just saying, thank you. We don't have to always rip and run. We don't always have to be boisterous with our praise. But sometimes it's just a matter of saying, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for being there for me. Thank you, God, for talking to me. Thank you, God, for delivering me. It's a common courtesy that when someone does something good for you, you say thank you. Sometimes we hyper-spiritualize the worship. And it's just as simple as saying, God, we just come together to say thank you. That's all it is. All the glory is just saying, all of my attention belongs to you. So you might not know what glory means. All of my attention, all of my worship, all of my attention is directed to you. How many of you have been in a relationship with somebody and all you wanted was their attention? You know what I mean. Come on, everybody acting like you don't want nothing. And, and you know what? You feel that person is so busy that you feel neglected. And you know how that feels? You know how that feels when you, brothers, you want that quality time with your, 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 your mate, your girlfriend, your wife, and you just want to be in a place where I just want your attention. But they're too busy. They're all about the agenda. They're all about the work. They're all about the days, the, the pressure that's going on through the day. And you know that feeling of neglect that you feel? Does that feel good at all? No. Nah. And you know, men, we have these little temper tantrums when we don't get the attention that we want. I don't know about the women. I can't talk about that. But I know when I'm feeling some kind of way and my wife is not there for me, I feel some kind of way. So it is with God. When we get so caught up in our life that we forget to just say thank you and I love you. He's holding your world steady right now, but you say I'm too busy to give you my attention. Worship time is a time where we come together to give him the attention that he deserves. Can we just tell God one more time, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we give the team a round of applause?
and Brother Pash a round of applause. Are you excited to be here today? Do you come hungry? When I mean hungry, I mean you need a word that's going to change the direction today. You should never come here and not be hungry. When the man or woman of God comes up here, you like you should be like, feed me, pastor, feed me, minister, feed me, brother and sister. Are you ready for a word that's going to change your direction? I done pumped this up so much, but it's not me, it's God. So I leave that on God. You have to bring that and fulfill the order. But God has a word for you that's ready to change your direction. Father, I just pray right now that this word goes forth and it touches their hearts and that you open up their eyes of understanding that they will be able to receive this word and not let the enemy steal it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. My name is Chris Hampton. I'm your brother for today. And I'm going to give you a word today. But I'm going to preface this by telling you what type of speaker I am. I'm interactive. That means I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to ask you questions, I might ask you to say something. My only, I only have one rule, please don't leave me hanging, all right? <laughs> if I ask you to say something, just say it with me, because there's a reason why I'm saying it, okay? All right? That, 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 that's a Chris, that's not a God thing, that's a Chris thing, that just makes me feel a little bit better, okay? All right, thank you. Let me ask you this question. Who builds a house without counting the cost? I know I've seen some people build a house. When I was little, I lived in the suburbs of Williamstown. So when you go into some parts of Williamstown, it goes, it gets a little country. Anybody from Williamstown in the room? All right, so I was down there in that little town of Cecil, New Jersey. So it's like a mile long town in Williamstown, okay? And as I grew up and growing up, we would ride by this house. And this house didn't have any siding on it. It looked like people moved into the house and it was half done. Who would do something like that? Who would build a house and not have enough to finish it? Not count the cost. Uh, yeah, foolish. But you know what, that's a good example because many of us are going through life and we're doing things and we're living our life without vision, without planning and we fail to count the cost. Some of us are here right now because we didn't count the cost, right? We did something. I don't know what your testimony is. I mean, I didn't say problem. I didn't say situation. I said testimony. Because right now where you are is a place of change. Right now where you are where the world might look at you as saying that you are a prisoner. This is your place of testimony. Because I guarantee you, you're going to look back at this moment and say this was a day that changed you. Because you start to count the cost for what you're doing. For this pain and this time. So we're quick to get on the person that finished the house and didn't have enough time to finish it. But then when we look at that mirror and see the decisions that we make and we lived our life without counting the cost, we end up looking foolish ourselves. But that's not a place of condemnation. That's a place of change. You see, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, 
It says, where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. When you think of vision, what comes to mind? Does, ask him, I'm gonna be bold and ask the question. When you think of vision, what comes to mind? Can I get a brave person to just give me a shout something out? Huh? The future? What? Brothers, don't let me hack What comes to mind when I think about vision? Direction. Direction. What else you say? Huh? I like, I like direction. Direction. So we said the future. You said what? Planning? A new plan. Good. Clarity. Somebody said freedom. All that comes. You're actually right. Y'all just basically said my whole definition of vision. Huh? Well, those are things that will get you to your vision. She said faith and love. We'll get there. Those are the things that will get you to your vision. So let me get... Someone said transformation? Yeah, transformation change. Well, those things happen when you start going on your vision. So you're in the right direction. Huh? We said foresight? Good. He said foresight. So vision... Let me give you a working definition. Vision is... To be able to have a, a clear picture of you in the future. So vision is a clear mental picture of your future. Now let's apply that definition to that scripture. It says, where there is no vision, clear mental picture of your future, the people what? A definition for perish, it means slow decay, like when you say perishable. Demolished. Huh? Dying. You say what? Pass off. Or pass away. So where there's no clear mental picture of your future, all that stuff happens. Have you seen people that have lived their life with no vision and they're still in the same place that they were five years, 10 years, 15 years? You leave here and you go back and they're still in the same spot, the same habit that they were in before, right? That's not gonna be us, say no more. Say no more. I don't want to see you next week. Next month when I come here and I see y'all, I don't want y'all in the same spot that I, I, I don't want to teach y'all about worship again. I want y'all to be worshiping like y'all knew because you don't want to make the same mistakes that you made before. That's what we have to talk about. We got to get you a vision of a future. And when we come in here, we have these services. These services are not just dealing with what happens when you die. True Christianity is not dealing about what well, all we heard growing up was what? You're going to go to hell? How many heard these messages? You're going to go to hell? You don't accept Jesus? You're going to die? You're going to burn? You're going to be in the lake of fire forever? <laughs> Get saved now! That's that old 1930s type thing. 
old, old school. I grew up old school preaching. So I heard the heaven and the hell. But do you know what? God has a greater vision than you just getting to heaven. There are some things that he needs to establish in you while you're here. I've met, I've met people that have been saved a long time and they know Jesus a long time and they live their life waiting for Jesus to come back. But they've done nothing while they're here. You know what the word says? When I spoke here before, I told you that God had a plan with Adam. And what did he tell Adam to do? He told Adam to take dominion. He told Adam to be fruitful. He told Adam to multiply the earth. Right in Genesis 1:28, he said what? He said, dominate. That means to rule in this life. He said, to replenish, that means that there was something in the earth that you need to put down in the earth and produce. And then he said, to multiply, make more of you. And what Jesus would do, because Adam messed up, and that partnership in the beginning was messed up, it kind of shook the vision a little bit. And what Jesus did was he made it so that we got back to where we started in the beginning. So what was Adam's job? To rule in this life? To multiply and reproduce? And to replenish? Which means to bring back healing. Which means to restore. And God is waiting for us to get a future vision that lines up with his will. That in our life we're doing those things. What God was doing with Adam when he was doing that was God was showing him a picture of his future self. Because Adam didn't say nothing. He didn't name an animal yet. He didn't do anything. But what God did was he said, I'm making you to be able to dominate. And that's what God does for you. When he calls you and he says, what, where, where's my vision for my life? Because some of you might be sitting here and say, I don't have a vision for my life right now. I don't have a clear mental picture of my future right now. When I look at my life, it's glassy and it's foggy. How many feel like that? I look at my life, it's glassy, it's foggy, I have no clarity, I don't know how to take the next step. And when you get with God, what God does is the first thing he does is he saves you. And then the second thing he does is he clears your vision. Do you know in the Bible that most of the healings that Jesus did, what was he doing? He was healing blind eyes. So that means sight must be something that's important to God. And the problem is, he goes and he heals your sight so that you can see your future. You can see what's in front of you and you can no longer fall into the pits that you were falling in before. Does that make sense? So where does God give you your vision? So you're like, I don't know. This man just sat there and told me I need to have a clear mental picture and all I see is fog. So I'm going to teach you where vision comes from. Vision is birthed out of your desires of your heart that are lined up with the Word of God. So, let me make this clear. Your vision is developed from where? The desires of your... Help me now. Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> it's, it's developed from the desires of your 
your heart lined up with the let's say this again your vision comes from the desires of your that lines up with the word of I got scripture to prove that okay so what that means brother if you said I want this honey over there but that honey over there has a ring on her finger does that line up with the word of God you want somebody over there and they don't they're not marriage material does that line up with the word of God God says I want you to have life and I have it more abundantly Jesus said I came that you may have life and have that life more abundantly so he said yeah Jesus he wants me to have this life and he wants me to live in this world and make sure I got things going on and I'm gonna have my needs met and I'm gonna have this I'm gonna go and I'm gonna rob a bank because Jesus wants me to live life and have it more abundantly does robbing the bank line up with the Word of God okay so is that practical all right does that make sense so he said where does the vision comes from I have a desire my job on the outside of this of me being in church is I'm a motivational speaker so I go into places because I have a desire to empower brothers and sisters to be able to walk into their vision I like it when I come in my presence I'm always gonna speak positive into you so much that you leave my presence saying feel like you can do anything it's a desire of my heart to impact and heal other people does that line up with the word yeah it might not be that deep you might be saying well my family that I came from was busted ugly but I mean busted ugly mom and dad beating on each other I mean watch I mean see your mom beat down on your brother so bad so you seen seen him both ways you walk in the house frying pans flying you walk in the house and you were the victim of the one that's getting beaten you walk over there from an alcoholic mother or father and they whooped into your life so much that you say I don't want my family to look like that that's an example of a vision it doesn't have to be I'm going to be a world changer it could be like I just want to line up with this word I want to be able to have a vision where I don't want my family to look like that it's a desire from your heart and it lines up in your word let me give you a word so you don't think I'm making this stuff up because I have to be biblically bound so I got to make sure I don't tell y'all something that's not a criticism but a wordism okay so that comes from Psalms chapter 37 verses 3 to 7 and it said what trust in the Lord and do good and you shall dwell in the land and verily you should be fed so that's a promise he said if you trust in God you'll be able to live what that means is God's going to take care of your needs roof over your head clothes on your back food on your table and how many of us have been in a situation where we've had things missing but yet God still provided for you roof over your head food on the table 
know God is able. <laughs> Trusted in the Lord. If you're willing to trust God, he says, I take care of all these things. The Bible says in Matthew, if you would seek first the kingdom of heaven, all these things would be added unto you. If he takes care of the sparrows, the little birdies, do you think that God will take care of you? You have to believe that. Because in course of you chasing your vision, you need to know that the course of me getting into my vision is what? The key is trusting in God, that God will help me. God will partner with me in this life to be able to live this life and that I can fulfill the vision that he has for me. You gotta rest in that. Say, I trust God. I trust God. If that's not there yet, just say, I'm going to help you out for those that weren't with her. I will trust God. I will trust God. Say that with me. I will trust God. Because it's a process. As you start to learn that God is faithful, that God is consistent, you will build trust. Trust is built. God is in a relationship with you. And every relationship means that trust is built. So it said what? Trust in the Lord and you'll be able to dwell in the land and you'll be able to be fed. So I don't have to do anything illegal to meet my daily bread if I'm willing to trust in God. And that's hard when you're used to doing things on your own. How many of us are hustlers? I'm a hustler. Meaning that I got to do what I got to do. I got to do what I got to do. I got to do what I got to do. And sometimes even, even on the safe side, you get there, I got to do what I got to do. I got to do what I got to do. And then there comes times where you're just tempted to cross that line. And I can't cross that line. I'm no different than you. Same temptations you deal with, same temptations I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. In some form or fashion. But I had to learn how to trust the next verse is delight. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So is that what I was saying earlier? So he said, trust in him and then delight. Delight means that you, you love, you get happiness from being in his presence. And I trusted him enough that he will give me the desires of my heart. Number five, it says, commit your way to him. And he'll bring it to pass. So is that what I just said about, now you see what I just said about the vision coming from? The vision comes from the desire of your, based off of the word of, who is responsible to bring it to pass? He is. If it's a vision that's from God, who is responsible to bring it to pass? Right. What is your duty to trust? That means it says the steps of a righteous man, the Bible says the steps of the righteous man are ordered by God. So if someone's ordering my steps, that means God's already been where I'm going to. He already knows where you're going to be at. And he's already made a way of safety that's with you. So the steps of the righteous man are ordered by God. What does that mean? Every step that you make, God's got it. If you follow what? The order that he made. So it requires you to listen. It requires you to be connected. It requires you 
to allow God to do what? Speak to you. So that requires us to renew our mind because we have to change the way we think. We have to change the way that we've been thinking. I could tell you, again, we talked about before about your relationship with God. Those of you who have been here. Who was here the other week? Who's been here before? Okay, so most of these are your first time. I said, if we try to change our behavior before we change our mind, we end up going back to doing the same thing. So this is new. If we don't change here, and we don't renew in here, then we're going to go back to continuing to do what we've always done, which will give you the same results that you would do. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But number verse 2 says, and be not conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. So now I got to renew your mind from living from a day-to-day -day point of view to living a life that is vision-driven. And that is an everyday situation. How many of us got some bad habits? The key to changing our bad habits, and I got some bad habits, like I'm I lazy, I procrastinate to the last minute, uh, I don't pay my bills to the last minute sometimes, but then I'm working on that. Can I be transparent? <laughs> I can't look at just everything. I can't just do anything. Bad habits. So I have to start renewing my mind daily. So I have to sit there and say, I want to be a good example to my kids. I don't want my kids paying their bills late. I want them to have something called credit. I don't want to go for the car and they look at me and just <laughs> That's my vision. I want to be able to go for a loan for a mortgage and be able to get a mortgage and say, man, I've never seen credit like that before. But that takes what? Work. That takes renewing of your mind to be able to see things differently. So I'm going to give you four steps on how to, how to get your vision, how to embrace the vision. So I want you to repeat after me. I got to see better. Okay? I got to hear better. I got to believe better. I got to do better. So I got to see better. I got to hear better. I got to believe better. I got to do better. Let's start with see better. You got to get your destination in mind. Some of us have been thinking from beyond um, living in a box. You're comfortable in your box, but when you, you get comfortable in your box and life starts to pile on you, your box gets crowded. You get depressed very easily because you can't breathe. How many of you had to, been in that box so long and you're in this box and you're living in this box so long that it's like, I can't breathe. The pressure is on you, I can't breathe. If I'm in this box another day, I'm going to snap. That's me. You have to get out of your box. You have to stand up and get out of your box. Okay, we're gonna work on that. That's a good question. See, I like that. Questions. No, that's real. You about to, he's preaching my message ahead of time. Good. 
I like that. He said, faith without works is dead. I got all the faith in the world, but faith without works is dead. How did, his question was, how do you get out the box? How many of you like, I said the box, you said the box is real. How do you get out the box? You got to set goals for yourself. Again, what is the vision? Y'all making me jump ahead of myself. Vision is the beginning, the ability to see. The problem is, well, I'm going to address that question. The problem is, is when we're in the box, a lot of times what keeps us in the box is what's in front of us. You can have vision and you can have sight, but no vision. You can live your life every single day like this. It's not blinded because I can see through my fingers, right? But what's in my hand is like this. And what's happening is you're living your life and you want to see better, but you're walking by sight and not by faith. But what is faith? When we talked about faith the last time, we said faith is your corresponding, your suitable, your appropriate action for what you're believing for based off of the word of God. So how do I know you have faith? Is you start to move. You can't be faith, having faith and you're stuck in the box. Because by your own definition, you said faith without works is dead, right? So if you're still in the box, are you walking in faith? You're stuck because you're stuck because you've accepted a message that's not meant for you. Your message that you're receiving is all I have is this box. But God said, I gave you life and I gave you life more abundantly. So that means I've given you more than the box that you confined yourself in. And all you have to do is see beyond the box and see the world that I've given you. You've got to stop moving from here. Because what you're doing again is you're walking by sight. The Bible says we walk by faith but, but not by sight. But I want to enhance that. You walk by vision and not by sight. Say I walk by vision and not by sight. The reason why I said that is because faith means that you're responding for something that's not necessarily in front of you right now. When you say I have faith in something, it's because you have a picture that's ahead of you that what you're believing for. I believe that I'm saved when Jesus came and died and on the cross for me, that I'm saved and that when he comes back, I'm going back to heaven with him. Am I walking in heaven right now? No. Am I walking in heaven? Does this look like that? This does not look like this is heaven. We got issues. This is not my heaven. Please say this is not your heaven. Wow. I, do, I felt that. I felt that one. I had to share that one. No, this is not my heaven. He's not my, your heaven. She's not my heaven. No, my job and when I get out there is not my heaven. Kids are not. This is not my heaven. So, is heaven here? No. I'm believing on something that I'm seeing that's a far off. And I start walking like it's happening. Vision. We walk by vision and not by sight. So all you have to do is stop getting your, 
Get your hand out your face. Realize what this really is. Y'all got me preaching ahead of my schedule. <laughs> so, y'all got that. Say, I got to see better. I got to find out how to bounce back now. Say, I got I to I see better. <laughs> I'm going to tie this up on back. Okay. I got to. The Bible says that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So how is your faith developed? The reason why I have you repeat is because you are you're hearing. When I say, say faith comes by hearing, say faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The reason, I'm going to tell you the reason my method of having y'all repeat things because not one of y'all have a Bible. I think one of you have a Bible. So I'm giving you Bible, but I'm having you repeat it so that you can hear it. And hopefully by hearing it, the Holy Spirit says that he will bring into remembrance everything that you heard the word say. Right? So while you're in the prison cell and you go back to your cell, and you're getting a vision for your future that's outside that cell you go back and say because with no vision I'm going to perish in here I'm going to perish in here but if I just pay attention to the word of God I'll be happy and happiness is a present state happiness changes but he said I'll make you happy where you are because of where you're going to they're like, why are you so jumpy? Why are you so bouncing around? Like, why has Chris got so much energy? Why? Because I know what I'm going towards every single day. I'm moving towards it. And every day that I'm alive, I'm closer to it. And remember, we said faith comes from? Okay. Faith comes from? And the steps of a righteous man are ordered. So it requires us to hear. Who have you been listening to? Who have you been listening to? Some people say it's self. That's real. Who have you been listening to? I'm going to take that. I opened it up, so I opened the can of worms, so I got to deal with it. <laughs> he said, faith comes from working. Faith is a two-part action. You got, it's a two-part action. And it requires two parts to do it. It requires, because I didn't bring that Bible verse up. That was from the Bible. So I'm only responsible to teach you from here. He said, faith comes from hearing. And what happens is, from what you heard the word say, now you have built up faith to do. So that's the connection. I got to teach you right. Okay? So faith comes because you heard God said, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder, don't look at your neighbors. There we go. <laughs> We take that as a response to life. And he says, what? I give to you life and death. Choose life. So he gives you instructions 
I can tell what you're believing by by what you're doing. I never said faith without action, but the key of faith is hearing first and then responding. Because then you could have faith in anything. And that if you put your faith in the wrong things, it's not going to give you the same output. If you're putting the faith in something other than the word of God, I can't guarantee you that it's going to work out. So I have to teach faith based off of here. So he says, in order for you to have faith, you got to be hearing and then you got to be walking along what's ordered. And I want to break that down. What have you been listening to? Who have you been listening to? Are you looking at your picture of who you are now when you look in the mirror and you just see, um, I'm, I'm fragmented, I'm, I'm broken, I've been abused, and I'm, I'm, I've been hurt, I've been rejected, I've been despised, nobody loves me. Are you responding to that voice? Or are you responding to what God says about you? That he loves you, that you are his perfect creation. He said when, when you accepted him that you are a new creation, that old things have passed away and all things have become new. Are you talking to the new creation through the mirror? Are we taking Michael Jackson, the man in the mirror? What man in the mirror are you looking at? So we talked about, he said, you got to what, see better? You got you to gotta believe better. Because before we can get you to do better, we have to address what you've been believing. Are you believing what God said that you are? Do you see yourself in the word of God? When God looks at you in this word, he is not looking at you as, you old sinner, you're going to be, remember Esther from Sanford and said, you old dirty sinner. He don't look at you through that. This whole entire voice that he's calling you is saying, I'm calling you righteous. I'm calling you holy. I'm calling you perfected. I'm calling you an overcomer. I'm calling you awesome and mighty. I'm calling you to overwhelming victory. That's why it's so important to know what God says about you. If you're going to the church that every time they walk on the pulpit, they're talking about how messed up you are, I'd switch churches. Because God spends more time calling you out, and when he calls you out, he is calling you by name. He's saying, son, daughter. If he's calling you, you old dirty ratchet, who wants to serve a God like that? I don't. He says that when I accept him, he calls me friend. Do my friends say, you old dirty, messed up, he, no. It's important, it's important that you respond by what God says you are. And then when you believe that, you walk with a different strength of courage. You're walking from a different place of knowledge. So I gotta keep, I gotta go. You gotta, you gotta do what? You gotta, I'm sorry. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, and then you gotta do better. Once you hear the word of truth today and say that I gotta get that picture of the future, I gotta do better. And do better, that's where your faith is brought into action.
where you're making a point to be able to walk in faith and say, I'm believing this word, and every day is a journey moving to you closer and closer to your purpose. So I said, well, that's fine. I embrace that. I see better. I hear better. I believe better. I'm doing better. But I, I keep getting stuck in these obstacles that are slowing me down. These obstacles that are slowing you down, then when you realize that you're going somewhere greater, an obstacle ends up not being as bad anymore. Because what was meant to wear you down, strip you down, tear you down, ends up strengthening you. It ends up building you. If you continue to bear weight, and bear weight so much, what happens when you start lifting the weight consistently? You become... So now you're looking at obstacles with a different point of mind. What was once doing this and stopping you, you're laughing at it because every time they come into your face, it's making you stronger, stronger, stronger. Before we were stuck because of what was impeding us, now we're stronger. And we look at these things and say, what the devil has meant to hurt you, God turns it around and makes it work for you. And that's what God does for you. Three things. Well, how many of you want to know what to do, how to embrace this vision and make this vision work? How many of you say, I need a better vision than what I've been living? Okay. <laughs> I have a vision. How many of you know the vision that you want to do? How many of you, it was a little foggy before, but now it's a little clearer? That's helpful. <laughs> okay. That's where we're going to start. That's the starting part. The starting point to embracing your vision, and I'm going to wrap it up here, is one, you have to know who made you. You have to know who made you. So that means you have to get to know God on a personal relationship. Not as God is the taskmaster that sits on the throne and throwing lightning bolts at people, but the one who's actual father that wants to get with you. The one that actually cares about you. The one that actually designed you and knows you and knows what he's created you to be. So if you do not know Jesus as your personal savior, that's the first step of walking to vision. Because again, we said that we wanted a partnership. And that God has restored the partnership through Jesus Christ that he said, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. I'll never leave you alone during this journey. I will always be here for you. I will always be here for you. So that's the first part. The second part is to be able to know your manual for your life. So I said, everything that we did today, we said is based off of the word. So if you don't have the word, you need to look at the word of God as a way of God, how do you see me through this book? Because this book is more than just the sweet by and by. If I told you that this book is to be able to help you see the wealth that's on the inside of you and get the wealth on the inside of you, out of you, would that be more important to you? Wealth is no good if it's just in you. I need to benefit from the wealth on the outside. And some of you have wealth on the inside of you and you want God to provide from you, but the wealth is on the inside of you. And this is the key of getting the wealth from the inside of you 
out of you so he can do something with it. The third part is you need to identify a mentor. You know what a mentor is, right? A mentor is not somebody who's in the same boat as you. Look to the left, look to your left, look to your right, look to your left again, and say, not the mentor. <laughs> not the mentor, not today, maybe tomorrow, not today. And not, don't look and say, God mentored me. God will send you somebody who is where you want to be. Look for the future you. Look for the person that is where you want to be. And then pray that God connects you. Because that person already went through where you're going. And they can identify the steps a lot easier. I have failed in my marriage. And God restored my marriage again after seven years of being separated and restored my marriage to the same woman and you know what I go back now and I mentor other men and I show them how they can have victory in their relationships and have the marriage that God called them to be I see the pitfalls a lot quicker now why because I've been through them I'm like, brother, you can't talk to her like that. Watch your mouth. Watch, the, watch that machismo. Is that right? Machismo, any Spanish people here? Machismo. <laughs> watch how you say that. I can say that now because I've been there. And what happens is, because God delivered me in my situation, it sets me up that I can help those that came behind me. So where you are now, you may be a mentor to someone else that is where you are right now. And that's why I call this the place of a testimony. Because I'm looking at you through the eyes of vision. Lastly, and we end here, is you need to start doing. Start doing. Whatever, write down your vision tonight. When you get back to yourself, write down your vision of where you see yourself where you're believing and make a commitment to every single day to do two things present it to god filter it through here and make us a, a commitment to do every day whether it's i'm going to get a better job when i leave here i don't know do they have libraries here in here they don't have anything they don't have anything for I'm, I'm sorry i don't know so do they allow you no books or anything Books? Anything? Okay. So in your mind, <laughs> I'm sorry, officers, I didn't mean to bring that up. I'm saying, in your mind, you got to get that better picture. In your mind, can we at least get you a Bible? We're going to work on that. But get the Bible and see the better picture of where you are. Start making plans about what you're going to do when you leave here. Find other support. I know they got social workers here. All right. Whenever you see them. But you need to have, okay. All right. I, hey, hey, I'm not talking about the system because the system got me here. But what I am saying is this. You need a plan 
to when, when you do meet that social person. With all honesty, what is your plan that if you had that resource in front of you right now, are you eligible to give them to get the help? And that's where you need to be. Is that real? Is that real? Is that applicable? Because what use of having a social worker if you don't have a plan? How can they help you if you don't have a plan? So the first thing that's most important out of all this is I want to offer the opportunity to you to wrap this all up is the key to you having that vision is number one, trusting in the Lord. And some of you might not know Jesus as your personal savior today. And what I do want to do is make that opportunity available to you. What I said today was today is a partnership between God and you. And what the partnership does is what you are not able to do, your partner is able to handle. And I need to know that God is in my life partnering with me for my salvation, for my help here on earth. And you know right now that he hasn't come into your heart because you haven't asked him and you ain't made no room for him. But today you heard something and you said, I don't want this to be my heaven because this is not my heaven. So can you close your eyes and bow your heads? Father, in the name of Jesus, if you see yourself as a person that's without God, and don't worry about the person next to you, but today you want to invite the Lord into your heart, and for him to, to this day, to partner with you. Can you raise your hand and say, that's me? Amen, I see your hands. I see your hands. Some of you may in here have known God, yet you walked away from God. You knew he was a savior, and you know him as savior, but you walked away and did your own thing. You can always come back to God. It's never too late. Someone asked me when they were walking out the last time, and he said, where in the word does it say that I, I can always come back? And I, di I didn't give him the answer because I was like brain froze at the time, had a brain fart. But the prodigal son was a story where the son left the father's house, wasted all of the riches, and was living in the slums to the point where the prostitutes and nobody else wanted to deal with them. He said, I had it better when I was in my dad's house. I'll go back to him as a servant, as a slave. And maybe he'll accept me back in the house as a slave. He went back to the father's house and he said, Dad, I'm back and I'm here as a slave. His father came back running to him. And he said, I found my son who once I thought was dead but now he lives. He said, let's have a party. And I restored my son back as a son and not a slave. It's never too late to come back to God. Maybe that was you. If that was you and you wanna come back to the Father, raise your hand. I wanna pray for you too. 
because you can always come back. Salvation is not as hard as some people make it seem. Salvation is confessing that you, accepting that you are our sinner, believing that Jesus came and died for you, and that you believe that he rose from the dead for you, and confessing that you are a sinner. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to repeat after me. And if you believe this prayer and you apply it to your heart, you made room for Jesus to come into your heart today. And today is the first day of your new vision. So can you all say it with me for the people that might be nervous? Father, I accept you in my heart. I accept that I'm a sinner and that you sent your son to save me. I make room in my heart for you. Come into my heart. Come into my, height, my life. Heal my eyes that I can see you. You're in my life today. I accept you. I receive you. And I want to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope that I challenged you today to see life not by sight, but by, by vision. Because I believe that when I embrace my vision, I see better, I either, and I, amen. We turn it back into the hands of the sergeant.